Okay, there we go. Right, hi everyone. Welcome to episode 10 of the London Day Game podcast. Uh, today I'm here with Joe. Uh, Joe reached out to me by email and we got talking and one thing about him that's really, really interesting is that he is a day gamer from before the London day game model. He's like a prehistoric day gamer. And he was out doing it before there was the same literature that we benefit from, that I benefited from when I was learning. So as I was talking with Joe, I just thought it would be a great opportunity to have him on for a podcast. So uh, say say hello, Joe. Hey, how, how are you, everyone? <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so... All right, we can we can dive in. So I've got a few prepared questions here for you. Uh, we'll go through this, and then afterwards we're going to talk about uh, another thing that's interesting for Joe is that he's uh, he's actually in his forties. So we're going to talk a bit about day game for in quotes older guys. Okay, so uh, question number one for you then, Joe, is could you tell the listeners a little about your history, a little bit about your history with women before day game, and then the culture of dating? uh in your in your country all right so i live in canada i moved um i'm originally from north africa but i i i lived in europe uh france and italy before i moved to canada so um one thing uh that i wanted to say is that when i moved to uh canada i was two years younger than uh the people i studied with and I arrived, I was 12, and most people around me were 14. So that was, a, um, it's important because I was much shorter than the rest uh, of my class. Mm. I was much, uh, I didn't hit puberty. So I sucked during high school. <laughs> and, and I think things got better when I reached university. Uh, I lost my virginity when I was 14, but I was outside high school. So that was um, so I got that out of the way pretty quickly. But it was not a it was a forgettable experience. Let's put it this way. So no one's first is, is that good, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, so my 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 uh, dating history in high school was uh, almost zero. Uh, I had this one experience, and then. Right before I went to university, I had my first real girlfriend. I was 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so, so one thing that I had, I had a lot of insecurities about my height. Uh, it, it's actually 5'9", but when you're 12, you're shorter. So I was uh, very insecure about this mm-hmm. because people who were two years older, you know, there's a big difference between a 12-year-old boy and a 14-year-old boy. And on mm-hmm. top of that, like 5'9", is is I think at the time it was like an inch above average. So okay. that's one thing. It, yeah. And the other thing is I was, uh, I'm from Arabic descent and I, for some reason I had a lot of insecurities about uh, my ethnic background. Um, and all that disappeared when I went to university because I realized it was, uh, yeah, it didn't really matter with girls. I didn't care that much. And mm-hmm. also Canada is very multicultural. So I was, I was so, going to ask, I was going to ask, yeah. do you think that um, being in Canada, actually being from North Africa, gave you some sort of brownie points? Because Canada is that very, very like woke country. You know, would that have helped a little bit? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I think when it comes to dating, uh, you know, you can be all, you know, you can be very woke and very progressive, but, you know, attraction is something that is 
uh, you know, in a much uh, deeper level. Sorry, I have oh, to specify I'm French speaking. So sometimes I think in French and I have to translate it into English. But, uh, you know, I don't think you can date someone, uh, you know, because it gives you, uh, you know, for, for politically correctness reasons. Uh, I think attraction is, is much more deep than that. So, yeah, I don't think it gave me any brownie points. Um, okay. I think, however, uh that um yeah hard i don't know how to explain this i was wondering I'll, if uh, in, in canada maybe you became came across as, as kind of exotic uh for the for the women there no but i i'll, I'll explain later when i moved to netherlands uh and and i think for some reason i i i was more exotic there and it's strange because i have a lot of arabic guys but i think because i was arabic and speaking english for some reason i think i got brownie points with Dutch girls, ah, okay. Canadians. Yeah, I think so. Okay, um, so let's, uh, let's go into that then. So, um, so like I was saying in the introduction for you, uh, you got into day game, or what we would call day game before it was even an institution, you know, as day game in with a capital D. Um, so like, when would you say, like, in what year did you start approaching women uh, just day to day? I think it was 96 or 97. So I was born in 75 and I know I was 21 at the time. I just can't remember which month. And mm -hmm. I know exactly how it happened and I know why. Uh, so just a quick, uh, I, I don't want to digress too long, but uh, when I was 20, uh, in my early 20s, I read two very important books. Mm -hmm. One of them for a guy you probably know, uh, his name is Michel Welbeck. And uh, if you don't know him, uh, I mean, he's very well known in uh, literary circles, but, but basically he wrote the first book about incels. And okay. it, it, it was uh, very important for me. His most famous book called, was called, I think, uh, Particulier Elementaire in French is Elementary Particles, but he's very famous. I'm sure some of your listeners know him. And the reason I got into him is he wrote a biography of Lovecraft, and I was a big fan of Lovecraft and Bill Kiddick when I was a kid. So I read his biography, and that got me into his main, main uh, mainstream books, which came later. Mm -hmm. So that was one book, and um, in his uh, in his book, he was talking about like frustrated guys in their forties. And I, yeah. I remember when was reading this, I sort of identified with incels although i wasn't a virgin but i was doing bad in with girls in high school so i i remember thinking i don't want to be this guy at 40. Mm -hmm. and the other book i read was about a guy you probably don't know because i don't think he's been translated into english he's um, a guy called alain saral he wrote about pickup artists and street pickup artists but it was more a ideological book he turned out he he was a communist so he's his idea of pickup is you can you can bank like uh, uh, rich girls and stick it to the rich guy he <laughs> later became a yeah he later became a neo-nazi still is i mean he's identified as such uh, i don't know if he is but uh, anyway he's uh he hit all the points then on, on the spectrum yeah he, he healed and then well the, the important thing the reason i i, I was uh, interested in him is he was the first guy who was criticizing feminism. You know, that was back in the 90s. And in Canada, feminism is so strong that I, you know, it kind of liberated me. So the mm -hmm. fact, and on top of that, he was a boxer. He was, uh, he was riding motorcycle. He, so he was, um, he, basically these two guys, 
if you if you like they conceptualize the, what we call the red pill today uh, in French speaking countries. So it was um, so reading this book, he didn't describe any techniques, but the idea of picking about girls on the street, like you know, I knew it was possible. Mm-hmm. My only um, problem is the guy. The guy was tall, uh, blonde, good-looking guy. So I didn't know if I could use it. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, to make a long story short, at the time when I was 21, I had a part-time job and I was uh, hitting on this girl. Uh, and I think she canceled the date like three times in a row. And the third time, I was so pissed that when I left the uh, my Sorry. job, it was. Quick question, Joe. Was that, was that on, given that this was in what, 1996? Yeah, I was 97. I know I was 21, but I just can't remember if it was 26, uh, 96 and 97. I'm guessing then this was all done over the phone, you know, uh, voice calls. Uh, what do you mean, voice calls? Sorry, sorry. Uh, like rather than texting, you know, like you were calling the person up and saying, oh, do you want to go out on? Wednesday. Oh no no sh- sorry sh- no she was a colleague of mine so she was working with me in uh, so I had a part time job in uh, it was a good part time job but it was uh, I don't want to t- say too much about it because uh, you know uh, conf- confidentiality but anyway I was working between six and eleven two days a week um, mm-hmm. and 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 so that was she was a colleague of mine but it was a big office so you know we 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 didn't work together next to each other but it was in the same big uh, work environment gotcha. so no it wasn't having a phone it was in person and then she she for some reason she kept uh, and i think um when i think about it, it was probably plan b or c or d she had other suitors and and you know i think she just chose the best one every time mm-hmm. so anyway that night i was so pissed that i I, I said to myself, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll approach the first girl that I find attractive mm-hmm. and I her out. And so I, w- I went back home and it was, I think it was midnight. So I, I did everything wrong, basically. And I, I saw this cute girl uh, walking back home. It was, uh, she was alone on the street. It was dark. And I approached her and I, and I made up some bullshit excuse. I told her, like, you, uh, I, saw you, I saw you a few times before. I think we live on the same street. You're cute, uh, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It actually worked. So, uh, <laughs> like the, so I didn't get the lay right away. But she, she, I invited her over to my place, uh, which was on that street. Uh, we had a quick chat. I tried to kiss her. She rejected my kiss. But, you know, we, I still saw her and I made her my girlfriend for, I think it was like three years. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so that was like, so I did everything wrong. And, but what's important is it worked. It, it, I had what we call beginner's luck. So it worked yep. the very first time. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was possible. And mm. uh, so that's how I, so I discovered it a little bit by accident. Got you. Got you. Oh, okay. That's, that is really good then. So then what was your, uh, so that relationship went ahead. And then, but then yeah. three years later, I guess you broke up and then you said to yourself, okay, uh, I guess I'm going to get back out on the street to find the rebound or the next girlfriend or something. So how did it go? Yeah, it didn't work exactly like that because at a time I was in university and mm-hmm. I had, I, by the time I reached university, I, I, you know, I lost all my insecurities about height and ethnicity. So I was doing quite good, actually. Uh, I was bad at night game, but I was uh, in social circles. I was doing a little bit better than average, I would say. Mm-hmm. So the need to go out on the street 
um, didn't come until very much later. Uh, basically, I think I, I tried a few times after that, after I broke up with her, didn't really work out. Like I didn't get any number or anything, but you know, I still had, you know, decent success uh, mm. at university. So the next time I really did it seriously when, when, when I graduated and I moved to Netherlands for three years. Okay. That's so, I, I was going to think, I think the guys, I think the question that a lot of guys will be asking is like, um, given that you were doing this before there was any kind of game literature or structure in place, you know, um, did you just wing it every time you went up or over time, did you come up with a kind of method that you would use with each girl? So, uh, okay. So this is funny because at the time, uh, there was, I, I, I heard about a guy called mystery, <laughs> uh, but he came in later. So, cause I think I first heard of him, um, in the late, uh, I don't know, 2000 maybe. But before him, there was another guy called Ross Jeffries. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if, but he, he wrote about NLP. So there were mm -hmm. a lot of advice online that I, that was specifically targeted to night game. And I kept trying, so I didn't read a lot about it, but I kept trying stuff that were, that, that were um, advice that was given online and like none of it worked. So I tried the, they were, I think there were things, it's so NLP, like I, like it never really believed in it. Um, it's not that I don't believe in it. It's just that like, it seemed too complicated. And um, I tried uh, going indirect. And, and, and the funny thing is, um, uh, I should have read more about mystery, but the reason I didn't really took him seriously is he was associated with uh, Neil Strauss which I absolutely hated. Uh, what was the, first, what was, yeah, what was your opinion of, of Neil Strauss and him as an investigative reporter then back when all this game stuff was coming into the public eye? Well, first of all, I have a, a few friends who were naturals who were doing good with girls. And mm. so the, the idea of a short guy of five foot six, not very masculine, uh, could pull girls I, I found it really hard to believe and it was also mm. all this peacocking thing that i found completely ridiculous i remember seeing photos of him online and mm. i thought there's no way this guy this guy's getting laid and if he does get laid it's probably because he's he's working for rolling stone but he, there's no way like mystery i could believe it because it was i don't know he was six foot four four or something even taller so i thought yeah, he's uh, he's tall. He's not maybe not good looking, but I can believe that. Mm -hmm. But uh, Neil Strauss, yeah, I didn't believe he could get laid. And the other thing I really hated about him is that I remember he did a program that he sold for like four thousand uh, dollars, and I, I forgot what it was exactly. But I thought like this guy's a scumbag. And the other okay. thing is that uh, before he wrote the book, which I never read. <laughs> Uh, ah. it was, uh, it was actually the, the, the pickup, uh, scene was more or less underground. So I was, uh, you know, I, I was, I remember thinking, like, you know, I don't want other people to know about this because I'm going to lose my edge. So anyway, <laughs> so, uh, all the stuff I read online was about like mystery and, and, and night game, and it didn't really work. And the first time I heard about something, uh, called day game was Paul Jenka. Okay. Yeah. New York. Yeah. Yep. New York. 
And the thing with Paul Janka is that it didn't really help me at the time because he was going indirect. Uh, and I tried this, never worked. I mean, never worked properly. I don't, I don't even remember if I got one lay from his method. He, he was spent like, I don't know, like two, three minutes or maybe five minutes with a girl indirect. Yeah, it's not, I and think then, he, was, he, was, he was just like a, a product of his environment as well. As far as I know, doing a lot of very short sets in New York and given it's New York, how everything is moving at the speed of light. And then as far as I know, scheduling two or three dates in one evening having a very quick drink and then getting them upstairs. And if no, then just going on to the next one and running through them like a conveyor belt. Yeah, it's exactly what I was going to say. And not only that, and on top of that, he was Harvard educated. He was tall. I mean, he's still tall. He's good looking. So I thought like maybe that works for him in a big city like New York, but there's no way I can, I can do this here. I mean, there's just not enough volume, not good, good looking enough. And, you know, it looks at the time, like there was a belief that, you know, you could out game your bad looks, but I always thought it was BS. I always thought like looks matter. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah. so I tried his indirect stuff and it didn't really work. So basically, the more I read about game online, and before it was even called day game, because I don't, I don't think Paul Jackson called, called it day game, but the more I read, the less I progressed. So I, I, I actually ignored uh, much of it. And I, and I, and I, so I came up, um, I, I can't say I came up with a system. I was mostly improvising. And then when I read the London Day game model later, I realized I was doing a lot of stuff they were describing. Mm. Could you, could you maybe think of say two or three things that lined up perfectly with what you were doing? Yeah. So I remember when I started, I was mostly struggling with, uh, so I never really had big approach anxiety so that that so that's another reason i disregarded what was uh, written online because it was mostly aimed at people who had very high aa which i never had in the first place but what i struggled was uh what we call stacking now mm -hmm. so when i read the london day game model i realized in retrospect the sets that i were doing were that that were working were the ones who were using stacking mm -hmm. uh, so i can say how like uh you would um, previously when you would go in before you kind of understood about stacking, you'd be going into sets and then just maybe stopping her, giving her a compliment, but then feeling like you had nothing to say afterwards. Yes, not only that, but uh, I think the the main uh, thing that uh, so I, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the London Day Game model. But the thing it brought me is the the fact that it identified the different steps. I was mm -hmm. able to repeat uh, what I was previously doing with a structure uh, where before discovering it, it was mostly vibe dependent. So if I was in a good vibe, I could improvise mm -hmm. about stacking and I was never stacking, but um, I was mostly stacking about the way she, they were dressed and stuff like this. I never, for some reason, never came to my mind to stack about uh, nationalities because I was doing it mostly in Netherlands and like most girls I was attracted to were Dutch. So, so anyway, um, I was improvising and the thing is my, my sets were good depending on my vibe. So I remember working mostly on having a good vibe. So that's, that's what all my efforts were. And I always thought like, you know, I'll figure out something to say when I'm in set. Okay. So that's actually, that's 
slightly like the that's kind of like the approach I have myself these days. Um, uh -huh. As as an advanced advanced guy, I don't really focus on thinking, okay, I'm going to do open stack vibe invest close. I go in and I think that okay, I want the conversation to come to me sort of authentically in the moment, and that I can rely on my muscle memory of things to say. Like I'll have a, a bank of phrases in my head that will kind of appear into my conscious mind wherever they seem appropriate. So once you once you did um, discover then like London day game model, uh, how did it change the way you were doing game? Uh, oh, you know, like we were saying the two or three things that fit in very well with it. So let, let's finish that one off actually, but then also to hear how it helped you to improve as well. Yeah, well, I think I think it's better I answer both questions at the time because it actually helped a lot uh, because by identifying the different steps, I was becoming less vibe dependent. So in other words, I knew, like, so, so my problem then, back then before I discovered the London Day Game model is that uh, I knew when I was not in a good vibe, I, I didn't know what, it, what I would do next. The fact that I knew I could open with a stack about nationality, for instance, Mm -hmm. um that really helped because it's like like it suddenly had like canned line i could use and i i was less vibe dependent if you want so um it became i wouldn't say like a crutch but it was like a a, a backup plan if you like so basically when i discovered the london ga day game model and i knew i had to stack instead of like come up with something uh i knew if i was not in a good vibe i could always use that canned line about her nationality so that really helped. Um, what else? I think what it really helped me with was also, so to be honest, I never really read uh, the the PDFs, uh, the Tom Torero PDFs. I mean, I, I read some parts because I, I focused mostly on parts I was really bad at, which uh, specifically was texting. Um, so for instance, the ping, the the notion of feelers and pings and stuff like that I was uh, you know I I didn't use this a lot so that that helped a lot I don't know if you consider that part of the London model. Uh, yeah, I think it's 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 all linked up you know like if you went into uh, Krauser or Torero's work you know they're always going to have a texting section in there and give you advice and actually that's a really good point where I can upsell because I'll have my own texting guy coming out on the twenty third okay. of <laughs> so thank you for that one. Um, so what was what was your texting like then before before you discovered these guys uh, stuff? My texting sucked. Uh, the thing is, I hate texting. I still hate it to this day. I I, I find it like I, I prefer to call people because I, I think it takes time. So I was text, texting too much. And and what um, well, the thing I discovered with them was the pink. Like I've never used a uh, pink, and I I don't think I've used them until like you know a few years ago because i you know i had like i had a lot, a lot of long term relationships where i stopped approaching in the meantime but um but uh, sorry um i didn't discover the london day email until i think 2018 or something uh so when i was back in netherlands in uh, late 2000 i was not using that i was still you know i was still very vibe dependent and the other thing i uh, i must say is that i was doing a lot of night game and that uh, helped a lot because I was in a very good mood. I was, um, my neighbors were, were med school students. They were both very smart, good looking and very good with girls. So uh, the fact that I was doing great, I mean, not great, but better than in Canada during night game really helped my vibe. Uh, 
Um, so like yeah, the successes from night game made you just feel really confident to then go out in the day, and then that would improve your vibe. And as you were saying, you were doing vibe dependent uh, game. Yes, yes. I, I think you know I'm very. Uh, the the problem I had before the London day game model is that if I had like a, a bad couple of weeks of no one responding to my approaches, I felt very uh, deflated, very uh, not confident. So yeah, the, the, the vibe was where I put mo most of my focus on. Okay, that's a, that's a really good point you brought up there because I think that when, not yourself, but like when there's like a, a true beginner getting into, getting into game and they have something like LDM to rely on, it can help them with their confidence a lot because they can at least tell themselves hey, look, the model will work and I can use that and I can sort of outsource my confidence to it and go out and do my approaches and eventually the model will help me get the goal. Yeah, and and, and just to add to that, uh, or maybe to uh, steer a little bit away from that, I remember first time I started seeing uh, day game uh, YouTubers, I don't think it was called day game, but I, was, I remember seeing one guy in London, I think he was from South Africa or Zimbabwe, Mm -hmm. And I remember one of his approaches, uh, he was saying something like, uh, oh, you're, the first, uh, you're my first approach of the day. I have, you're my warm-up set. Uh, what? Uh, he was like basically telling the girl what he was doing, but his vibe and his body language was so good that she didn't understand what he, what he was saying, but he was still able to pull the girl home. I mean, mm -hmm. I assume so. So... You know, it really confirmed that what you say is really not that important. It's really how you say it, how uh, your your confidence, your um, yeah. Um, and yeah, again, it wasn't called day game at the time. So, like, I remember googling like street pickup or, or pickup in London or whatever because I knew what was happening in London most of the time. So, I guess. Uh, one one question I, I would be really interested to ask you as well would be the flip side of uh, like LDM and came in and, and helped you with various things. But is there any part of London Day Game Model which you think is actually a hindrance to guys and that maybe that they should either drop either a part of the model or if there's something kind of cliched that London Day Gamers do and they would be better off taking a bit more of your natural style? Yeah, for well, I... I... I'm reluctant to criticize it because it was created by guys that are much better than me. Uh, I would say that there are some things like the two venues. I've never used that. And even to this day, I've never used it. It's not because I disagree with it. It's just that it didn't feel, uh, didn't feel natural to me. And I like, I, I, I remember asking some guys like, what's the point of having a second venue? And I, and I, you know, they told me it's about compliance. It's about like you know creating a different mood and all, I, I get all that, but it's just that I knew, never really had to use it. And uh, at the moment, I know I have a uh, logistics problems. I, I I bought a new place that are far from uh, downtown, mm -hmm. so using two venues was actually would actually I don't think it would help me. So um, yeah, it's hard for me to criticize something that was created by guys who were better than me. Yeah, I, um, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's fair enough, but I mean, I suppose I could say on the two venue thing, I've used it before for a long time. And I think what it really helps with it is it creates these nice, clearly delineated venues where it's like, right, 
venue one is going to look like this. It's going to be, you know, we're going to have this drink. It's going to be this kind of venue. We're going to do this kind of escalation. And then venue two, darker, more seductive, more physical escalation, go for the kiss, et cetera. But um, I would say for myself these days, I go into more like a, I do the first venue and I pretty much know over the course of that first drink, if the girl's going to sleep with me that night or not. And if she is, then I'll probably do two drinks in that one venue, escalate, raise the blind temperature, extract back to mine. And if I can tell over that first drink, she's not going to be up for sex that night, then I normally go for like a walk or something in the local area, keep the date pretty short, drop her back off at the station and know that I'm going to go for it on the second venue. But uh, it's, it's always, it's going to be like a person has to learn. So I guess how LDM, like the, the street stuff, it gives them that encouragement to stay out there and keep on approaching. Uh, and the same with the, with the dates as well. You know, it means, okay, look, you could push through the dates to nowhere because eventually the, the dating model will, will get you some results. Yeah, no, I agree. And then as I was, it's my turn to ask you a question then. Um, <laughs> the, the thing I was, um, I was wondering too is uh you know the hook point um mm -hmm. i think like for me when i know a girl is attracted is not only when she asks a question because she can ask a question just because she's polite she can mm -hmm. so I, I think the hook point uh in in the london day game I'll, uh, once you reach the, the hook point you 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 switch to another phase mm -hmm. uh and, and to me um Noticing when the girl is attracted is not necessarily related to a question she asks or even touching her. I think I think I see a lot in her whole demeanor, her the way she looks at me. But so actually that part really helps. But I, I think it's a little bit um, could be a false positive. So, I think uh, in terms of in terms of hook point, um, it comes. I guess it comes back to. Again, for a beginner, they need to have these these really obviously noticed switches, which they can look out for, like the girl crosses her legs or she asks her question. But I'm sure like you or I, we could go into a set and like from the moment she stops walking, if she does stop walking, we already know if it's it's like that's the hook point because we can just see in her eyes um, that she's either into us or that she's not. Uh, it's a bit of a like long term thought I've been having, which is that it seems that the more advanced you become, the less maybe girls you get, because you can immediately see if they're going to be a yes or a no. And no, I completely agree. Yeah, I agree. That there's actually some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, of course, because when you, if you open a girl and you, and you can look in her eyes and you think she's going to be a no, you probably pull a certain, we all probably pull a certain facial expression where the girl suddenly feels like uneasiness, or perhaps she just knows that our hearts aren't in it, or that we don't have that conviction that it's going to that's going to be the yes and that it then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and she fills herself out um but for beginners you know they can't read these signals they're going to misread no's as yeses and yeses no's and maybes as whatever so we like to give them that kind of definitive like okay she has hooked now uh she's attracted to you now it's time to be normal guy you know go into comfort and investment yeah, I agree. I agree. And I was, uh, as you were speaking, I was thinking about another thing that the London dating model helped me with. Um, the fact that uh, it identifies the stacking phase so clearly, uh, 
what I do a lot more now that I uh, read about it is that I double stack. So if I so I, I think what it helped me with is being a little bit more persistent. So for instance, um, if I stack and there's no really good reaction, I can stack with something else until I reach the hook point, which is not something I was doing naturally before. So, so basically, I think the London Day game, all what it brought to me was, um, it, I was less relying on vibe and on chance and on, on, on um, uh, so, so just the fact that it, it, it identified something that was already existing because we didn't have to wait to Raro to know that, uh, you know, you have to tease to create attraction. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to stack. Like he, he, he didn't create that, but he, the, just the fact that they identify it, I think it's almost revolution, revolutionary. I was uh, talking about it with another guy the other day. I was thinking, like, what these guys wrote is probably more intelligent than any sociologist wrote about dating in academia. Uh, because it actually works. So, so I guess my point is that just because uh, the London Day game all didn't create these things, but just the fact that they they identified them, to me, that in itself is 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 kind of it's it's absolutely brilliant. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean it's the same as um, it's like you know gravity was always there, and but yeah, it absolutely. wasn't put a label on it and said this is gravity. Then you can you can start analyzing it. Yeah, that's the science is mostly that it's identifying things that already exist. So I just want to make sure that just because, uh, you know, I was doing a lot of stuff they were doing, it doesn't take away anything from them. It's just like it's the, the, the I think the hard part in in in, in this uh, community is like being able to identify what you're doing right and replicate it, which I wasn't doing. Uh, mm-hmm. ah, okay. But, yeah. Because I guess well that was. Uh, it's like you said, that was always the right answer. You know, I'll tease them to create attraction as an example. That was always out there in the ether as being the sort of roughly the truth. Uh, but these guys, like you said, I remember Krauser putting in one of his books saying how day gamers are the true social scientists, you know, like, like you've just said. And they're going to go out and try different things until they come to the conclusion, which was always the case, but hadn't been codified before. Absolutely. So, so one one question I'd I'd like to ask you about, um, especially ha- about well, it relates to having day gamed for so long, is, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the the listeners would be interested to know this is like, have you noticed a change in the reactions you get from girls over time? And by that I don't mean in terms of oh you're getting older and so you're going to have a different impact on them. Although we are going to get onto that, uh, yeah. in terms of, you feel that like girls used to be more trusting or even they used to be, it was such a novelty to be approached by a guy in the street that it got you um, further than you maybe would have. It's a good question. I'm not sure I can answer it because uh, first of all, I day game mostly in Netherlands and in Canada, and (laughs) I'm not in a city where, I mean, it's prevalent, but uh, I think the only thing I noticed that I can think of is I remember one girl telling me, uh, you know, I approached her, uh, I think it was last summer, and mm-hmm. she told me, uh, she told me, oh, I hate these pickup artist guys. 
she didn't even uh, make the connection with me. But one thing she said is that, like, like at some point I remember uh, in a conversation, she said um, she had a bad reaction and, and she asked me, is this an egg? <laughs> like what, what? And then I asked her, like, "What's an egg?" Like, I pretend I didn't know. But so, yeah. so I think the only, that's the only instance where I can think of. Uh, and it was actually a very innocent comment. I made a, a joke it was not intended as an egg at all. But like the fact that she was aware of it, she was more um, cautious. But uh, other than that, I don't think I've noticed any difference because. It's still very, I mean, where I live, it's still common. I mean, I, I know in malls, I, I've approached girls that told me they've been approached like two, three times before, but I, you know, they just, uh, I think to them, it's always been there and it's just a question of being calibrated or not. And I, and I, I don't know, I can't say I really noticed the difference. And when I was in Netherlands, I don't remember seeing other guys other than my friends who were like very good with girls. I don't remember seeing other guys doing it like, uh, and the the thing is, yeah, sorry, just one last thing. The thing, the fact that I don't use cad lines, I think helps because it's, it's, you know, if a girl has been approached like three times with the same line, you know, uh, maybe it's going to be a problem, but I like the way I do it, it feels natural to them. So I can't say I have been, I noticed a difference. Uh, the only thing is, is that, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, I, you, you said it before, you said it before I was, I was able to say it was about the canned lines is that uh i think um a girl might pick up on something if she has had multiple guys come up to her and say oh excuse me this is so random but i literally just saw you and i blah 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 <laughs> yeah so I, yeah of course she's gonna i mean like, the thing is like she could probably even tell that it's a canned line without even having heard it before because of the way it just comes out your out of someone's mouth like it's it's too perfect it sounds, it's like every word is just perfect. There's no ums, ahs. Um, I think that it does benefit a guy actually to not think so much before he approaches so that there are, there's more of this kind of natural, slight natural nervousness to what he says. Um, yeah, so that it doesn't come across as being way too scripted. Uh, and then going on to the, like a, another part about girls. Yeah, like I agree with you. I think that, I was gonna add something nice. if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, if you don't mind. I would. Yeah. So, so it's what you just said. Remind me of something I thought. So I don't know if this this is part of the London Day game model, but a lot of coaches they 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 encourage you to do a lot of approaches. And one mm. thing I noticed from the very start is that if I'm not convinced, if I'm not really into her, she's gonna pick up on that, and it's not gonna. So I can do like five sets a day, twenty sets a day. I'm very likely to have the same number of uh, numbers because only the girls that I'm really into are going to respond to it. So mm -hmm. it's not so what you said about can lines and girls picking up on that. It's absolutely true. Like I have to have conviction, and and one reason um, I, maybe I didn't progress as much as I wanted uh, is I was only approaching the girls I was really into because every time I tried to approach a girl who was average, a little not as cute as I. I would like, I mean, the, the set would go, you know, would, uh, would fall flat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Say, so I, I, uh, it's the same for me, but I feel like the guys who need to go out and do well, 10 sets in two hours, that kind of thing is they're still trying to get over their approach anxiety. So they are, Correct. they're, they're, you know, it's kind of like they're, 
desensitize that by continued exposure they're just desensitizing themselves but in the long run you know like once you've done a thousand sets for example then yeah only really go for the goals that you really find attractive because otherwise uh, and i i find this and it's like you just said is like they can just see it in your eyes and mm-hmm. then you're wasting her time you're wasting your own time it's pointless but for me, it was like this from the very start. Like that—that's the, the, the thing. I that, first of all, I never had really big AA, but mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like every time I tried to put the reps and 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 do more portraits, it just never paid off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, maybe that is one of the downsides then of the of the LDM is that it's kind of it's like accepted wisdom that if you're a newbie that you have to bust your AA by doing your 10 sets in two hours. Whereas there might be some guys out there who are, who just like don't really need to do that much. Um, they can, they can go straight into doing just the sets they're really, they're really into. Yeah. But I do want to stress the point that I still have some sort of AA in the sense that I will still approach the girl. Uh, but if it's my first set in month, said is not is going to be awkward it's not going to be great so i, I mean there's some merit in approaching a lot it's just that it, it's better to approach a lot uh in a country where there's there's a lot of volume and girls you find attractive it's yeah. my point is it's it's there's no point in approaching someone you don't find really attractive because it's you know it's some some things in your body language it, it's hard to translate into words so it's yeah that's that's what i think no i i agree with you Okay. Um, the only so the only other thing I was going to say in relation to goals, uh, sort of picking up on it being oh, this thing day game, is that maybe if there is like a specific area where there is a lot of guys day gaming at once, uh, and to be honest, like in London, this place is Oxford Street, and it goes kind of goes up and down in waves. You know, it reaches the crescendo at some point in the summer, but uh, you know, like for some reason, the the street or the city has this memory and by the winter time or by January, February, it's, you don't seem to get the, any kind of these reactions anymore. Like I've heard of guys approaching girls on Oxford street and then them saying, this is the third time it's already happened to me in the last 10 minutes. So it happened to me, but only in malls in winter, uh, because I, I actually, I fucking hate malls. Can we swear on your podcast? Sorry. I didn't realize yeah, yeah. I was swearing. Yeah. So I hate malls. And uh, the, re- the only reason I do it now uh, in winter, it's like it was minus 17 last week. It was so cold, I couldn't do it. And that happened to me uh, a couple of times, like girls tell me I've been approached two, three times. So uh, yeah, that's the only time it happened. But I usually I usually don't game in those areas. Um, so it's, and also the other thing I wanted to say is that my, my story is a little unusual is I never, uh, I think only once did I day game a full year. I usually day game for a uh, big part of uh, summer, spring, and maybe a little bit of fall, and then I get a girlfriend. And depending on how long the LTR is, mm-hmm. uh, I won't day game before the next summer, except two instances where I had open relationships. That's that's okay. where I could day game while I was in a relationship with her. Uh, and even then, um, there's some caveats to that. Uh, explain later if you want me to expand um no no I, I agree with you i think it's important to take a little i think it's important to take breaks uh maybe if a guy is in his first say 18 months you know he should go through the first winter 
but then he's he's free to take off you know january and february at least i definitely found that every time i came back from a break i just had this kind of I like lust for life again i had this uh the joy of approaching and just getting out there and doing sets and having fun and talking to people whereas when it when it gets to the end of the year around this time in december i'm walking around and i'm thinking like i'm only going to do only the sets that give me like an ioy first or something that i really really want to do you know i'm not just going to throw out sets just for the sake of it and, and you know it's it, it's also like quitting the gym for a few weeks you have muscle memory so you're not going to start, start uh, obviously your first set if you have a break for a couple of weeks or months is not going to be as good as the last set from last uh, summer but you still have some muscle memory, so you don't start from some scratch. No, of course. No. So do you want to do you want to go ahead and say those things that like you're saying about approaching while in the open relationship? Well, um, it's so the first uh, I didn't have much to say. Um, the thing is, um, the first open relationship I had was with a bisexual girl. She was dating a girl for five years before. So mm -hmm. I didn't have, so we tried something else at the time. We tried threesomes and we tried, uh, and I was comfortable with her sleeping with other girls while I was not around and, and uh, that, you know, that worked. And most of the, most of the threesomes we got was actually from her pushing girls during night game. Uh, okay. um, so that's different. The, the one time where day games, um, while I was in an open relationship with um, another relationship I had for a couple of years. And that was a different relationship because she was uh, sleeping with other guys. And I really hated that. Like I developed uh, the, the idea of my girl being with other guys. It might sound sexist, but I'm like, I like open relationships when it's a one way open relationship or when she's sleeping with other girls. But the idea of my girl sleeping with other guys, I don't know that really um yeah i'd Good. don't yeah i'd never allow, allow that uh i, I would <laughs> I think the, the thing that guy you know it's like guys want to have physical exclusivity from the girl she like they want to be the only guy she's sleeping with and the they, are, they want emotional exclusivity yeah. i guess exclusivity. exactly like she wants to know that you she is the queen bee the number one love in your heart yes i agree i agree um so, so the, the only thing I was going to say is that when I was in that relationship, like day game was not great precisely because my vibe was shit. Okay. Uh, because I have like a one itis with a girl I was dating and it was like, it was horrible. So uh, I guess what I'm going to, uh, yeah, I was just going to agree with you. Like it, it, it only works when it's a one way open relationship, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. I agree there. Um, okay, let's move on to, um, we've got about 15 minutes left. Let's move sure. on to this big topic of the conversation, which is day gaming in your 40s. So, I mean, I'll let you take the stage here because uh, I'm, I've only just turned 30, so I don't know shit about okay. this. Okay, so uh, first of all, I'm 47. I have no problem saying my age. I turned 48 in 2023. And... It's actually something new for me because um, I was in a seven years relationships uh, until 2020. So I got back into day game um, in 2020 and mm -hmm. then I got a girlfriend uh, after a, uh, at the end of the summer. 
uh, didn't day game in winter. Then same thing happened in 2021. And then same thing again this year. So the one thing I will say, first of all, is uh, I think you should focus more on your looks than anything else, in my opinion, uh, because uh, it's key to go to the gym, eat healthy. And because, and, you know, no matter how good your game is, I, I don't think it's going to matter if you look like shit. So that's the first thing I would say. I think that's the same thing for any age is if you look like shit, you're not really going to get very far. Yeah, but I think it's even worse when you get old because you have to be very careful. Uh, uh, you know, if you you know, it's like things add up. Like if if you have shitty skin on top of a beer belly, and like it, it doesn't help. But mm. my biggest discovery, I would say, when I started day game again when I was forty five, is it's actually. I I don't think I look. 45, by the way, I've been like, depending on who you ask, I think I look either mid thirties or early forties or, and and if you ask a younger girl, I look even younger than that. So I think that helps. Mm -hmm. But what I was going to say is that it is still easier to bang girls between, uh, say 23 and 30 than girls 35 and up. And this was my big discovery. So I remember when I got back into day game in 2020, I started approaching girls that I thought looked in their 30s, and I wasn't going anywhere. And then uh, I I noticed that when I was approaching girls in their early 20s, mm-hmm. uh, it worked just the same. Uh, and actually, like last summer, I has I, I remember finding out that I I, I found I, I I banged a girl who was 19 years old. She was a model, and her her mom. Was a few young years younger than me, so that was like that was uh, that was really fun to this guy, and it happened again this this uh, this summer, and I have a few explanations, uh, but before I say that, uh, I, I still I do struggle a lot with girls 18 to 21, 22, because usually, uh, first thing they, not usually, but a lot of times, like you you approach them and they ask you like uh, how old are you, which mm-hmm. means usually you're too old for me. So mm-hmm. I did get some lays from girls under 22, but my sweet spot is 25, 23 to say 28, and especially 24, 25 for some some reason. So so um, the reason I mentioned this is I remember my, uh, my ex-LTR I was discussing with my friend, and the reason I broke up with her is she wanted kids. And he said, like, why, if you like her this much, why don't you stay with her and then start dating again when you're 50? <laughs> and I was trying to explain to him, like, dude, it just doesn't work like that because um, it's not, it's still going to be hard to get the girls 35 and up. And I think the reason for that is that they have more baggage mm-hmm. and they are not into you know they they're just they they have less adventurous strike if you like so um usually you know they're looking for a provider mm-hmm. so that was the big discovery for me is that it was still uh easier to go after these younger girls um than the girls over 30 so i think this oh, summer one, one quick yeah, question is uh is, you know, when you were saying that when you approach those girls who are, say, like 18 to 22, they're asking how old you are. Um, when girls in general ask you how old you are, do you say your real age or do you have a sort of back pocket age that you 
that you say? No. So the way I do it is that I have, I usually ask them to guess my age. Okay. And the younger the girl is, the younger she's going to guess I am. So a girl who is 18 will usually, so it happened to me last week. I approached a girl, I got her number, and then later on she texted me. She think, she, she told me, actually, I'm 18, and you look like you're at least 25. <laughs> and so, but because they have no idea, you know, to them, 25 is already, so it, it's like, it's irrelevant if you think, if they think you're 25 or 40, it's still too old for them. But anyway, so the my the, the way I do it is um if she asks if if I sleep with them before they ask, I usually say my real age because you know usually it's in the bag. If yeah. they ask in the date or before, so I ask them to guess my age and I add, you know, anywhere between three and five. So if a girl says you look 31, I'll tell her I'm oh I'm 36. because uh, but but I notice like if a girl is 19 and she thinks I'm uh, late 20s yeah. I'll tend to agree with her because for her the the number 30 is like a is, is like a magic number it's like it's it means too old so it's it's so I usually just give them more than uh, I give them like three or four five years more than what they guess and once I sleep with them uh, I reveal my real age and some of them get pissed and some of them don't so uh, it depends but the girls are, who are really into you, they usually don't ask you that before you sleep with them. Because uh, it's so like all my LTRs. So right now I have three regulars that I see. One I see once a week. The other two I see them a few times a month. Mm -hmm. And none of them ask my age. And they all, the oldest is 28 and the youngest is 25. And none of them ask for my age before uh, I slept with them. So they all know my real age. I think there's um, a... There's like a, a thing that you hit on, which is that girls don't, if a girl likes a guy, she's not going to bring up something that could derail the seduction. Because a lot of the time I hear beginners, they often get, you know, what you'd say, quote, shit tests. I have a boyfriend. I have to go. How old are you? You know, I'm so busy, X, Y, Z. But I feel like the better you get at this, the less, the less times the girls even bring up these kind of objections because they don't want to ruin it for themselves. Um, especially to do with the boyfriend thing is like i have a theory that, uh, that we sleep sorry. a lot of with, with boyfriends that they just don't tell us about oh yeah no i was i, I was going to say something else when you said boyfriend because uh, something my, my theory is also that uh when they ask for your age uh they think of you as a potential boyfriend mm -hmm. and and when they don't ask about it, so so i remember this girl one of my regulars she's a dancer and she told me later on that she told me like i don't give a shit how old the guy is and i think her reason is just she doesn't uh she sleeps around with guys and she doesn't want a uh, stable relationship and mm -hmm. i think when I, they think of you as a potential boyfriend this is when age come in, comes into question so i think in a way it's also a way to filter the girls who are um potential uh, ltrs versus the ones you can just sleep with Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. That's uh... so. So, do you find that? Um, do you find that that actually it helps to be? I mean, of course, like you said, you've taken care of yourself. You look good for your age. And do you think that it's it works well in polarizing the girls who are in their mid twenties because they, um, because they're they're like, oh, it's the thrill of being with an older guy. 
Yeah, I, well, first of all, I have to specify that I'm a year more advanced than me. So, uh, I, like, I'm, I, it's possible I'm doing things wrong, but um, I don't filter as much as you do because I remember we, me and I talking about filtering. And uh, the reason for this is um, I just go after the ones I find attractive and I don't live. So I, I prefer white tall girls. I've never I'm, I'm Arabic. I've never slept with an Arabic girl as far as I remember or black or Asian. I think I had a few Latinas who were actually from Argentina who had blue eyes. So I live in a multicultural country and I don't have the luxury to filter that much. So, uh, you know, I mean, your question is a valid question, but it's, it's just, it's a luxury I don't have right now. So I just actually just go about, uh, I, I just go for the ones I find attractive and they never guess I'm in my forties. Like they, they usually like, I usually get like mid thirties. Um, so for them, if she's 25, she thinks ah, 10 years older, you know, it's still acceptable. Of course, yeah. Um, I, I think there's a there's an element as well of she just knows, like she knows you're not in her age bracket. You're, but you're not in maybe two age brackets away from her. You're just older than her. Absolutely. And then perhaps this has an effect of maybe it even comes back to something Freudian where it's like you just feel kind of compelled to do things that a fatherly figure tells you to do or that there's some sort of... Um, like you know you remind her of the older guy who was in her school when she was growing up or even of her father directly yeah i'm not sure about that because i'm not like i'm not super tall i'm not overly masculine in the sense that i'm not super buff i, I try to i try to aim for the brad pitt uh, physique in bike club that's what i'm going for i don't have gray hair i mean not that much so yeah i don't think I, I don't think I remind them of a fatter figure. I'm not sure about that. Um, I, I mean, it's a valid point, but I don't think, uh, I'm not sure it applies to me, actually. Uh, just just for the listener's benefit, uh, I've, I've seen pictures of Joe, and yeah, he takes care of himself, but he does not look like Brad Pitt, just in case there's... No, no, no I don't. Oh, well, of course he gets the girls. He looks like Brad Pitt. No, 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 no. I don't look like that. What I'm, I was trying to say is that I try to stay lean. Uh, Brad Pitt uh, in Fight Club, he has a very lean um, body, I think. And basically, he's not too buff. He's like, I think reading, I, I remember reading an interview and he said he was like 150 or 160 pounds and he's uh, one or two inches taller than me. So uh, what I was trying to say is that uh, I assume that the, the girls who are looking for a fatherly figure, they usually look for guys who are way more masculine than I am. And that, oh. that the only reason I brought up Brad Pitt is that I don't think, I think he looks very, uh, you know, dominant in that movie and very, uh, but I don't think he looks like, uh, you know, fatherly, if you like. Gotcha. That, gotcha. That's, but no, no, I don't look like him at all. I mean, if I looked like him, I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't be looking at digging videos on YouTube. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so we're just coming up for an hour now. So do you have any uh, sort of closing comments you want to make about day gaming as a guy in your 40s? Um, well, you know, I think I told you this before, but I, I think, and then you, your answer was, uh, was a good answer, is that there's not a lot of content online about... Uh, about older day gamers. So we have to, I guess I always have to find stuff by myself by experimenting. Um, 
But yeah, I think uh, taking care of yourself is, I would say, is the number one thing you have to do. Um, the other thing um, is it feels a little lonely sometimes. I remember reading an interview or listening to an interview about Paul Janka, and he was saying, uh, you know, a guy who does day game after 40 is like, there's something missing in him. <laughs> there's something <laughs> wrong. Like, you, you know, you should... Uh, and the thing is that I really tried like to have the long-term relationship with kids. I mean, I've never had kids, but it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think it gets uh, it, it gets lonely. What I did is I, I joined a Telegram uh, group because mm-hmm. uh, the fact that none of my friends could relate to what I'm doing, and I didn't talk about it to a lot of guys, but they know I'm a bachelor. I think it really helps to have people, even if they're like 20 years younger, doing the same thing. It, it really helps for the motivation. It really helps to, well, um, or for, or to to keep in touch with 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 the scene. For instance, I never had an Instagram uh, um, site, uh, sorry, a profile, and I created one this summer because. A lot of guys were telling me, look, it's actually helping you if you have an Instagram uh, profile because, you know, some girls um, could look at you and decide you're actually, anyway, like there are a lot of things, there's there's a lot of benefit to um, joining a group or a community of, of having people around you who who do this. And, and, and my biggest problem with day game at my age, is there's a, there's very few content. I mean, good content for guys my age, and uh, and, and and most people can't relate to it. Um, so, well, well, one thing I'd recommend any guy is to make a Twitter account, because even if they're a beginner and they're going to be tweeting things like, "Oh, I went out and did five sets today and I got four blasts," is that you're going to get so much help and the sense of camaraderie from the community as a whole that it's worth doing no matter what stage you're at. Absolutely. No, I agree. I, I totally agree. I've seen some, uh, I've discovered some Twitter uh, profiles lately that I'm, uh, that I'm looking at. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll leave that as a mystery as to who they are. Yeah, sure. Okay, man. Um, so if we are all finished there, I'll close up the podcast. Uh, I want to really, I want to thank Joe for coming on. That was a really good conversation. And do you want me to leave some contact details for you in the in the details in the in the bio for the pod? Uh, sure. I'll send I'll send that to you later. Uh, so we have a specific contact detail for that. So I don't use my real uh, name. <laughs> yeah, and I'll also put the uh, if I could also grab the links from you for the books that you mentioned. Uh, I'd love to put those into details so people can look sure. them up. Yeah, the first one is probably uh, is definitely translated into English. The uh, the other one is not, and you know, uh, I, I think your viewers or listeners are probably very open minded. The second one is it has a very bad reputation. He's uh, he's a far right. He's considered a far right extremist. He's considered very racist. Uh, I think it's a little bit of uh, oversimplification, to be honest. Uh, I don't think he is. And and it'd be okay. Sorry, I'll say yeah, yes. Well, yeah. Well, the, the, the thing I would say is that um, even if he is racist, which I don't think he is, you know, his his points are still valid. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, it's just uh, and um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, valid content from guys who are uh, 
toxic. Uh, I mean, as identified by the mainstream media, but actually, uh, yeah, like, okay, just well, don't believe what's in the mainstream media. That's that's, that's yeah. the main point. You take one thing from this podcast is is that, yeah. Okay, man, Joe. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I hope You're to welcome. speak. And that is episode ten over and out.